Jay and said, JC, I just saw Jesus sitting on the throne. Oh, really? Okay. And then somebody might come up to her again and say, you know, in worship, I saw an angel right behind you, JC. Oh, wow. So there's this group of these radical, on-fire people like you who are ready to go, you know, all kinds of, you know, crazy places, uh, you know, for God. And, um, you know, they're, they're part of it. Um, once you go to the next slide, and while they're there, they're, they're hearing some great teachings from people like Lauren Cunningham, from all kinds of uh, speakers that are brought in to just train them and, and just fill them up with so much fire that they just spill over. And because they're in New Zealand, and you know New Zealand is where they filmed, what was that uh, series, uh, The Lord of the Rings? There are some unique and special speakers that are able to come to, and, and share with them who've got years and years, I mean years and years of wisdom that can be, be imparted. And, um, you know, recently um, they went on a trip, a little field trip, um, go to the next slide, and, you know, they went to the Hobbiton, and it was kind of interesting, because while they were there, you know, of course you got a bunch of missionaries there, what are they going to do? They're going to pray for people. And uh, a fellow named Baggins and Frodo were there, and they were able to just bless them, uh, you, know, during, you know, during the process. And if things go well and they pass their spiritual warfare training, this is their next uh, little on-location assignment. I don't know what it is, it looks a little ominous, and I guess they're going to try to cast out this particular fellow from Middle Earth, uh, so that he leaves and he's gone. And then, of course, uh, you know, when I was in seventh grade, you know, the most remote place on the globe was Papua New Guinea, and that's where they're going to go. And I remember in seventh grade, uh, the first place you go to in the library is the National Geographic, which was filled with lots of shots of Papua New Guinea. Many of those shots I cannot share with you here today. So, <laughs> so anyway, uh, just we're going to just continue that mission theme. But, uh, you know, this, this last week, the last couple weeks, as I've been, uh, you know, just praying, um, I felt the Lord had a couple of things that he wanted to say, you know, to our fellowship and to our group. And the first has to do with um, people who are in a, a season of struggle and a season of suffering, a season of uh, maybe being a little disconnected, or you're, you're just going through it. And I believe that today the Lord has a good word, and he has just some encouragement for you. And the second thing that I think the Lord is putting his finger on here at our church, I just felt it was, uh, and I felt this because I'm feeling it as well. Um, just a, a, a spirit of, of like dullness and uh, maybe a little separation from God that, uh, that, that maybe we're, you know, you're just in a place where you've, you know God, you've had amazing experiences, you've been at seasons where it's just been so close and your heart is so tender, but, but maybe you're in a place that's a little bit dry, that's um, you're, you're going through the motions and you need to reconnect. And I think that, that today, you know, God has some encouraging words, you know, for you as well. Because, you know, our life, you know, with Jesus, you know, it's filled with ebbs and with flows. And sometimes we're connected, sometimes we're disconnected. But it's God's desire, okay, that we live our lives, you know, from the heart. You know, Jesus said this, because he wants us to have a responsive heart. Jesus said, um, and this was his complaint against the Pharisees and the religious folks, okay, in his day. He said, I played the flute for you, but you did not dance. I played the dirge for you, and you did not mourn. Therefore, you missed the time of your visitation. So God can be doing things, but if our hearts aren't right, if our hearts aren't tender, if we're not responsive, a lot of times, you know, we miss, you know, what God is doing. And, and that's something that, that we, we really, you know, you, you don't want to have happen. And I believe that the Lord's going to minister to us tonight. Um, um, also, um, 
you know, the, the scriptures tell us that, that, that God is good, that he is a good, good father, and that he loves us. But sometimes we don't, we don't connect with that. So what I want to do is I want us to be in agreement, okay, that we want to have responsive hearts, okay? We want to be a people who respond to God and who are moving and flowing with him and just feeling that sense of God's goodness, you know, all the time. So um, let's just agree with me in prayer here for a second. I'm just going to pray and, and just invite the presence of God, which is already here, to just, just stir amongst us. So, so, Lord, your word says where two or three are gathered, that you're in our midst. And, and Lord, even as the anointing was released, Lord, um, you know, through our missionary friends today, Lord God, I pray your Holy Spirit would, would just move about us, Lord, and, and quicken our minds and quicken our hearts to your word, Lord. Um, let the spirit of revelation and the spirit of wisdom, uh, you know, that, that reveals Jesus be in this room and draw us closer to you, Lord God. And Lord, for those who are struggling, you say that, that anxiety in the heart of a man can bring him down, but a good word, a good word will lift him up. So Lord, release your encouragement and your strengthening here to this body today. And all God's people said, okay, you said amen, you agree with that. So here's the first good word. Um, about a week or so ago, we had the, uh, the benefit of going down to Nashville, where there was much less ringing, okay, with the sound than there is here today, okay, because, of course, it's Nashville, where there's lots of sound. Um, but, no, we were there at this, this place called the Voice of the Apostles Conference, and get this, the people that were there, we had Bill Johnson, we had Randy Clark, we had Heidi Baker, we had um, Reinhard Bonnke, anybody familiar with the evangelist Reinhard Bonnke? Reinhard was there preaching the gospel. We had, it was just, it was an amazing time of just soaking, you know, in the messages, you know, of God. Um, we had worship. One of the two nights, um, a fella, I guess his name is Michael W. Smith. He's a Christian artist. He led worship a couple nights, which was, you know, uh, kind of nice. Yeah, pretty cool, eh? Well, we were there. We were soaking in this. And I thought I would be remiss and negligent if I go to a conference like that and not share with you some of the things that we heard while we were there. So, testing, testing. Okay, much better. Thanks, guys. That was pretty annoying, wasn't it? It wasn't the most annoying sound in the world, but it was getting there. <laughs> Hallelujah. Shondai, hey, say Shondai with me. All right, you're all speaking in tongues. You can say I spoke in tongues today at church. Hallelujah. Even if I don't believe in it, but I do. Hallelujah. <laughs> anyway, anyway, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Um, so um, one of the people that was there, his, this guy's name was Leif Hetland. Um, and Leif is from Sweden, and he's like the happiest guy in the world. Uh, even the, the Muslims, okay, they call him, he is the apostle of love. So... This apostle of love has been sent to the Muslim people. I mean, you talk about bad assignments, okay? I think I might choose Africa before Pakistan. So he's sent to Pakistan, and for some reason, through various connections, he's able to bring these warring factions, you know, in Islam together. Imagine that, warring factions in Islam? But he brings these various mullahs and imams together, and they're like, they greet him with, uh, of course, a lot of resistance, but 
because he's the apostle of love. He's able to bring people together, and he gets favor so he can do these healing crusades. So he's doing, get this, a healing crusade in Pakistan. There are 20,000 people out there in the crowd, and the Spirit of God is just moving with power. People are getting healed. So by the second day, people are just, they're just like coming closer to the stage. In fact, uh, on his, his second day there, and this, is, this was the story that he was sharing, somebody even threw a dead body up onto the stage because they expected him to you know, be raised from the dead. Well, things were getting out of hand at this point. And um, his security team, he had a good security team, they're saying, you know, you've got to go because people were just pressing in and pressing in and it wasn't safe. So they were escorting him out. But as he, as he was there, he looked in the very back, uh, the very back of the area, and there was this father. And he saw a wheelchair, you know, up on the hill with the father. And the father was lifting his son up who was like a paraplegic. He, he just, he couldn't move. And Leif just saw him, and, and he's just so compassionate. He just, he wanted to reach out to him, but he's being pushed back and pushed back, and he couldn't get to him. And he left that night, and they drove off to the city that they were at. And when you're ministering in that kind of power, you don't just all of a sudden come down. So he's still awake at around, like, 4 a.m. when the call to prayer, you know, when the, uh, from the minarets that, you know, it goes out and everything like that. And he's just looking over the city and he can't get this picture, you know, of this father and this son out of his mind. And, uh, but he goes on, he continues his tour of, of going to different cities. But get this, um, about three, four days later, the person who organized the crusade there calls him up and said, Oh, Leif, it, it, it was so good. It was so good. You laughed, but, but the Lord just kept just ministering to the crowd. And he ministered in our city for like three or four extra days. And I know you don't have a lot of time, but let me tell you this one story, that there was, there was a father and there was a son. And the son was paraplegic. And the father took him home, and he laid him on his mat as he always did. He went to bed. But that night... As he was sleeping, the child felt waves and waves coming over him, and his feet started to move, and his legs started to move for the first time, and his body started to move. And by morning time, the child got up off of his mat and walked into his father's bedroom for the first time on his own two feet and tapped his father on the shoulder. It's his daddy. And his dad hugged him, and he was just healed. Isn't that awesome? He is, he is a good, he is a good, good father. He is awesome. And then um, I heard another story that, that just touched me. And really, part of being there, you know, for me was just, just hearing the stories of God, where God was, he was just as big as he's always ever been because he's unchanging. There is no shadow of turning in him. He's the same yesterday. He's the same today. He's the same tomorrow. But we're hearing these stories of what God is doing around the world. And then this one, this one fella, um, have you ever heard of the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir? Okay, well, there's a pastor there uh, who who runs that church, and his name is Jim Simbola, and um, Jim has been pastoring that church for a long time. And New York is a is a rough place to pastor, as some of our New Yorkers, uh, you know, know. Uh, and you know, he was. Uh, I don't know. He was going to a prayer meeting. It was a Wednesday night, and they have a big turnout, big church, you know, probably, a, you know, 700 to 1,000 people. And um, it's rough being a pastor. You guys don't know, but pastors get a lot of sheep bites, and there's little attacks from the enemy, and there's all kinds of things that, that go on. And one of the sad things that happened in their, in their family was their daughter, when she was 15, just had had enough of 
Jesus and Christianity and being a pastor's kid and, and just left, just went into rebellion and left. And they hadn't seen her for years. So by now she's about 22 and she was out living with a boyfriend. There were some drugs and various things that were involved. And uh, Jim was getting out of his car in the parking structure. And you know, just, okay, we're going to do this Wednesday night prayer meeting. And one of the parishioners was there and says, uh, Pastor Jim, you look a little down. He says, no, no, I'm, I'm fine. And he says, well, listen, we need to pray for your daughter tonight. And he says, you know, me and my wife, we're, we, we've, we've been praying for our daughter for years, and, and we're going to just continue to pray. And she goes, no, we need to pray for your daughter tonight. And he says, well, you know, there's a lot of needs out there. He says, no, we're going to pray for your daughter tonight. So they did, and they prayed, and they prayed and they prayed, and they stormed the gates on behalf of their weary pastor. So, uh, Pastor Jim, well, <laughs> I'm sorry. He went home, but the next morning, 7 a.m., 6.37 a.m., on the door, the wife opens the door. The daughter they hadn't seen in seven years is at the door and says, Mom, I'm so sorry. I, I am so sorry. I rebelled. And she apologized. She said, what happened last night? And she says, I don't know what happened. She goes, well, where's dad? She said, dad's upstairs. So she ran, and she ran upstairs. And she saw her dad again for the first time in, in like seven years and said, dad, I am so sorry. I, I've, I've just sinned. I've been doing all kinds of bad things. I, am, I apologize. And just they just embraced, and they were loving each other. And after that, she goes, dad, I, I need to know, what did you do last night? What did you do last night? And uh, Pastor Jim says, well, we just prayed at the church. And she said, because last night I had a vision that I went into hell. And I was in hell, and it was terrible, and I was frightening. I was, I was screaming, I was yelling, and I said, I just called out to Jesus and said, Jesus, I'll come back. I need to come back. And she did, and she came back. And isn't that amazing? And I mean, God is faithful. You know, and the thing is, we want our results now when we're in, in rough places. We want it now. But God has an appointed time. It's called kairos. It's called the kairos time, the fullness of seasons. This is the time that it needs to happen. And God had already ordained that time. And whether the time was that day or, I don't know, maybe it was he was waiting for a passionate cry out, you know, that came to that church that day. He was waiting for the voices to cry out and say, we need this to be righted. We need this wrong to be righted. Our pastor is faithful, and you need to move on this God. He, maybe he needed to hear that. I don't know, but the point is, you know, he moved, and, and God is a good, good God, isn't he? Say amen. Okay, yeah, that's, that's good. Now, now for me personally, um, hearing those stories were great, but um, what I brought back, you know, was a song. And Steve, I've got um, a little... Um, I don't know, a little slide here we can change. You know, um, Psalm 40 says that, that, that God has uh, he's put our, um, our feet upon a solid rock, and he's put a new song in our mouth, okay? And I, I love this song, and this is, this is the song for the people who are uh, maybe hurting or broken, and I don't know whether I'm hurting or broken. Maybe I'm just a little dry. I know at the conference the first day as we began to soak, I said to Maggie, I said, Maggie, I'm not sure if I'm spiritually dead or just spiritually dull. She goes, nah, I don't know. <laughs> Fortunately, you know, by about four days of marinating in the presence of God, you know, I mean, things can change, so it was really good. But the one thing that I took back on a personal level was I took back this song, and I just find, found myself um, just singing this song. No, you, go back. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you when to change. Um, 
So anyway, I just, I, I just found myself singing this song all the time. I sang it on the way home. Uh, when Maggie was sleeping in the car, I'm singing it. I'm singing it at the office. I'm singing it all, all over the place. And it's just, um, I don't know, just a simple song. Go ahead and put it up now, Steve. Sorry. Uh, and it just says this. It just says that, uh, you know, you're a good, good father. Um, yeah, you're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. And I'm like, how can this simple song just <laughs> ring around in me? And, but, you know, here's the deal. This is it. I mean, you know, we can be in a place of dullness. We can be in a place where maybe we haven't touched God or experienced him for a while. But the fact doesn't change that this is the truth. And there's something that happens when we confess with our mouth especially when we confess with our mouth in worship. And that's, that's the power of worship. All of you worship leaders and musicians here is because music affects not only our mind, but it gets into our heart. And it gets in, we get the mind and the heart coming together. They've done studies that the brain is so impacted by music that they're using it for all kinds of different therapies right now that it's like it's this delivery system. And when you combine that, okay, with the word of God, with the truth of God, you've got this... I don't know, you've got this powerful cocktail for change of our emotional chemistry. And that's kind of what's been going on with me this last week. I've been, been just singing this song, and, and I'm just coming into agreement with this, this fact that um, he's my dad, and I'm his son, and he loves me. Really simple, but, but that's what it is. Go to the next scripture. And, and this is the, the, or the next um, lyric here on the slide. And, and this, this is the other thing, too, about um, as I'm... I put this, this teaching together as I was sort of almost singing this song. It was like the Lord was dropping this little revelation and insight, you know, into me. And it says, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like. And everybody in this room, you have a different opinion of what God's really like, but it's those experiences, those personal touches, the things you've seen, those done, and the immediacy of those things that changes us. It just absolutely changes us. And I'm like, yeah. But he says, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night. You tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. You see, we are beloved by him. There's no condemnation for us, you know, in Jesus. We come before him boldly. There is no shame. There's no guilt. We just come before him. Whatever condition we're in, we may have sinned. We may have made a mistake. We haven't had a good week of praying. Our spiritual disciplines are down. It doesn't change who God is. And as, as I sang this song, you know, it's like my emotional chemistry it's starting to change. I'm not all the way there, but it's a, it's a really, really good thing. So um, anyway, I had to share that because that was, that was the personal thing that I brought back from, uh, from this awesome conference. But, you know, it doesn't change the fact that, that we need to know that we're sons and that we're daughters and that we need to connect. And the problem isn't that we don't know it here. The problem is this, is that we, we need it to go from here down into here so that we feel it and we feel it often. Okay, that we feel it often. And I was talking with Steve. Steve, why don't you come on up here? Um, I, I like to bounce uh, some different ideas um, off of Steve from time to time and uh, just say, you know, I go, Steve, we need to connect with God. We need some, I don't know, spiritual technology. We need people to see a great big God here. So I challenge Steve with, uh, you know, putting something together about, you know, just our relationship, you know, with God. So what do you got? Well, um, I've struggled a lot in my life with what is sometimes referred to as an orphan spirit, uh, which I would describe as uh, feeling alone, 
and poor, uh, not belonging, not fitting in, and no hope. I don't know if any of you have experienced that. And it'll, it'll often come in waves. And the other thing that's been really uh, impactful in my last couple of years is most of my encountering with the Lord has been with myself and the Bible. And so I've actually had a lot of victory in this area related to the orphan spirit. But then recently I had an experience happen, and I, I felt that come back up. So I thought, well, I need to go back to what I had learned. And so I'm going to refer now mostly to the Gospel of John in the 14th chapter. Okay? And this chapter starts out, a uh, very famous verse, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. So it's a whole chapter about the comfort of the Father. So then I'm reading this chapter, and I read in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. Okay, he says I'm not an orphan. I may feel like it at times, but I'm not an orphan. So then the verses right before this, I read after this, and it says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not know him does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. And I thought, oh my gosh. He said, I'll not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And then he says, right before that, he just said, I'll give you the spirit. And I thought, oh, so I'm not an orphan because I have the spirit. I thought, well, maybe I'm making too much about it. And then I thought of the verse in Romans 8:15, and it says, for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you've received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. And I thought, it is true. Okay, I'm not an orphan because the spirit of adoption is inside me. So how do we access that? How do we, how do we enter into that in a more concrete way? And I think uh, one of the keys to that is that we need to believe his truth. I, I don't always have to feel it, but if I can believe it, that's a doorway. That's a doorway to encountering his goodness. Then there's different things here, but what works best for me is then to commune that back to God. I want to pray that back to him, okay? And that is a path for me to entering in to that goodness, okay? And I was thinking this week of the verse that says, uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And sometimes I think that faith is increased by us hearing ourselves speak that truth back. We are speaking it and we are hearing it. Okay, and so I was talking to Jay about this and I said, you know, what do you think about this communion? And he said, well, why don't we do a group communion? Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to lead you in a communion. It's almost all out of this 14th chapter, the Gospel of John, okay? And what, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say a prayer, and then I want you to repeat it back, okay? Can we do this? So I'm going to ask you to, to close your eyes, okay, and to, to sort of quiet your heart. And then you're not trying to feel this. You're believing it, but you want a tender heart to speak back to him. Okay. Thank you that you've put the spirit of adoption within me. Thank you. 
Thank you that the answer to the orphan spirit is within me. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are always with me. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you will teach us all things. Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are releasing the Abba cry. Abba, Father. Thank you, Jesus, that I am in you. And that you are in me. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave us your peace. Thank you, Abba, that I am welcome to your table. Papa, I love you. Wow. Thanks, Steve. You know, that is, it's, what that is, that's, it's spiritual technology. Because, you know, it's one thing to hear things. It's one thing to, um, uh, to learn about things. But, but there needs to be a vertical engagement, you know, with God. And one of the things you can do to get yourself out of that place of dullness, okay, is to not only read the Word of God, but, but speak it back to Him as a prayer. It's like, yes, I believe. I believe that, that you have adopted me. And as you say that, Something transforms. You know, what is this? The scripture said that what? Life and death is in the power of the tongue. That's right. So there, there's, there's a, a power that sometimes we, we literally, we're prophesying to ourselves by coming into a congruence and lining up with scriptures. And we're saying that, you know, over. I mean, there are various meditation people that talk about positive affirmations, you know. And this is not only a positive affirmation. It's the Word of God. And Jesus said this about his Word. He said, my words are spirit. They're not just words. They're spirit, and they are life. So when you speak them, when you take them in and speak them back, there's this transaction going on. So I think what Steve gave us, uh, I think Steve called it like a portal. He said, this is a portal for connecting with God. So, you know, when you're like, you know, in your place of dullness, here we are living in the last days, according to Matthew 24, because sin and iniquity has increased. Our hearts are waxed over. There's layer upon layer of worries and cares and various things that are going on in our lives. We're disconnected from God. This is something you can do to break that, okay, is that you read the Scripture, and when something touches you, you say, oh, yeah. Lord, I believe that, and I declare that back to you. Let that be a truth over my life. Amen. Amen? Okay, so you've got some goods now. Now, I also promised at the beginning that if you're in a place where you're suffering, you know, whether you're hurting, you know, whatever's going on in your life, God has a good word for you and an encouraging word. So why is it that we suffer? I mean, you know, unfortunately... We're not in heaven yet. I mean, there is suffering here on this earth. But suffering is not where we live. Suffering and the wilderness are a place between where you are and where you're going. And, and sometimes God can do a work in the suffering. But this is how he feels towards you. Um, in, in the scriptures, in uh, Isaiah 42, 3, this is a scripture about the, the Messiah. And what Isaiah said was, this is what this Messiah, this Son of God, is going to be like. And he says this, he said that a broken reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he would not snuff out. So this Messiah is not maybe what they thought, this conquering warrior king, but is this one who handles the most broken, the most tender, 
the most suffering with a gentleness. He talks about a reed that's broken, and it's like Jesus is just carrying it ever so delicately and gently, you know, so that it can be healed. Or a smoldering wick. And if you've ever seen a candle that's smoldering, okay, sometimes it'll be like this little red, just an ember left, okay? And then other times, it's kind of uh, a little bit out of control where there's the smokiness and going on. And, and the, the natural tendency of us is, you know, we got to snuff that thing out, you know, you know, cause this. And that's the way it is sometimes with people who are, are in a little bit of a messy place. It's like, I don't need that around. But not Jesus. He is the one who does not snuff that out. And I was in a group with uh, Aaron Grenner and with uh, Steve Coker that uh, Greg Ryan led. And for 16 weeks, they just poured in all kinds of awesome truth. And they did these experientials like we just did. And uh, we learned a lot. And, and one of the experientials we did, we did this a scripture, this Isaiah 42, 3. So as we're pondering this and considering this scripture, I just get this picture of Jesus Okay, and Jesus is around this smoldering wick, and he's got it cupped so that it's not going to go out. Okay, and with just the precise modulation of air, he's breathing on it. Too much, and it goes out. Not enough, and it's going to smolder and die. But our Father knows exactly what we need where we're in that place of pain, we're in that place of hurting. So there's this picture. And the breath of God that has life in it, the Word of God, which is life. What, what, is, what does they say about the Word of God? That man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. His words are life. His words bring life. And I just saw that little ember uh, turn into like a flame eventually, and it's nursed back to health. So if you're wondering, God, where are you? How do you feel about me? That's how he feels about you, is that he's gentle and he's tender toward you in that season. Steve, I've got a slide um, that has, uh, you know, maybe the, the, the quintessential, um, if you can pop back into the slideshow, um, it's the quintessential scripture that tells us how God feels about us during times of suffering and times of pain is um, Psalm 34. And uh, if you slide through there to somewhere past where we were when this thing gets up and running. You know, I'll read Psalm 34, or better yet. There we are. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears, and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart, and he saves such as have a contrite spirit. Let me say that again. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such that have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. So you see, God is, God is for the broken. He's for and he's near. And, and a couple of things I pulled out of that is that he's near, he's hearing what's going on, and he's, he's also he's asking you, you know, to cry out. He's saying, Cry out to me during this season, for I hear you. You know, do you guys know the scripture that, that this is this place right here for prayer, for, for calling on, on God's name? This is the moment, some of the most fertile ground for, unan- for, for answered prayer because he says, The broken and the contrite spirit, I will not deny. Wouldn't that be awesome to be in a place where 
you're not going to be denied in prayer because God is for the broken and he's for the hungry. And I know that's been my testimony, but sometimes it takes a cry out. Uh, for me, I, I remember that there was one time, and it was a financial situation. And I know for you guys, money's never a stress issue or causes any kind of problems. And I'm sure that you never pray over anything like that. And this doesn't come into any of your realities. But I've got my own business. And uh, there, there was this one time where I was working with a client, and there was a let's just say a significant misunderstanding between uh, the scope of the project between me and um, you know, my customer, and I tried everything to work it out in every possible way, giving up everything I possibly could, but the client would just have none of it. So I'm in this, this situation. It's going to cost me, I mean, a lot, and then a lot down the road, and could just be the end of me. And I know some of you maybe might know that, ex- that experience. Uh, so I had nothing left to do. I couldn't do it on my own because, after all, God's pretty busy. He doesn't need us to be bothering him with little requests about finances, right? Isn't, it, isn't that one of the issues, though, really, is that we think, well, he doesn't care about me. You know, he's got the, the kids in India. He's got, you know, the revival in China. He's, uh, you know, he's just too busy. The enemy tries to sow these lies into us that prevent us from taking, taking our needs and requests vertical. I mean, does, doesn't Jesus say, you know, cast your burdens upon me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me. Doesn't he say that? And he's not saying it like, if you must come to me with your heavy laden burdens, come to me. But please, let's be a little self-sufficient here. No, no, no. No, no. God is saying, bring them to me. Bring them to me. I, I love to hear them. You know, and I know in, in my story, you know, what happened was I was just crying out to God. I'm like, God, I, I've done everything I can. I've been diligent. I've, I've offered up. I've served this customer well. There's nothing I can do. And I was crying out to God. When I say crying, I mean, I was literally crying, or as Aaron Grenner might say, I was weeping like a little girl. So, um, so I, I, when I finished weeping, you know, I, I picked my, what was left of my Y chromosome you know, off of the couch and you know, <laughs> went up to bed and said, well, I don't know. Make a way where there is no way, Lord. So I went to bed, and I was, I was not looking forward to getting up. You know, it's just like the dread. Does anybody ever have the dread sometimes? You got a court case, you got something. Okay, yeah, you've got the dread. We don't like the dread. So I wake up in the morning, and the first thing I get is a call from my technical web guy. He goes, hey, Jay, get this. I think we can do this. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you're kidding. So we can achieve this? He goes, yeah. I goes, I'm like, yes, hallelujah. God is so good. He is so good. And I was able to alleviate this issue and that God, he literally answered my cry. So, and I know a guy here that has occasionally prayed specifically, okay, for financial needs and had those needs met on a regular basis. Am I correct? Can I get an amen out there from somebody? Amen. That's right. Yes. You know, if you have a business or even finances, God wants to hear from that. He wants to hear from you on that. Well, how do I know this? Okay, I'll tell you another reason I know this. Okay. Um, We learn a lot about God uh, sometimes by being fathers and mothers, right? I mean, sometimes you're, you're seeing the way your kids interact or how your kids make you feel, you know, and you're like, hey, I think God's kind of like that. Well, I had this situation where um, my son was eight years old, and uh, Maggie and I were not married at this time. But I'm, I'm sitting on the couch, you know, I'm just talking to Maggie, saying, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, whatever. All of a sudden, my son comes in, and he is, like, like crying. He's upset. He's like, Dad, Dad. And I'm like, well, son, what's, what, what's, what's going on? And he goes, I was playing baseball, and, I, and I, I broke the window. I broke the window. I'm so sorry. And he's just so apologetic. 
you know, and, I, and I'm thinking, that's not a problem. Come here. And of course, I, you know, I comforted him and I hugged him and everything like that. But, but to me, it was one of those, you know, as, as many things as my son has done and has made me proud in, I don't know whether anything's more important than that because he loved me and trusted me enough to come to me with his problem, you know, and it made me feel so good as a father. So this is what you need to get. If me being an imperfect father, a neglecting father, a father who made so many mistakes, who didn't do very good, if I can be moved and just blown away by my son coming to me with a problem, how much more our Father in heaven, when we have a problem, that we open up our heart, we peel back the layers of wax and say, God, I can't do this on my own. I can't do this on my own. I need your help. He's not upset. He is happy. He delights. He says, yes, that's my daughter. That's my son. I love you. I have been waiting for you to come to me, and we are going to work this out. Amen? Amen. Isn't he a good, good father? Shandai. Yeah, you can, you can say that again. Um, so, so here's the, I guess here, here's the point, is that you need to know that he's near you in your times of trouble, that he feels your pain, that he's going to handle you gently, but you need to cry out. And whether your cry out is, you know, a weeping, distressed Jason uh, crying out about finances, or whether you're like a weary Jim Cimbala who doesn't even have the energy to pray anymore. He just, he doesn't have it, but people around him did. Whether your cry comes that way, the cry goes up, and God hears your prayer, and he loves you because he is. He's a good, good father. Amen? Steve, let's, let's activate that. Say that with me. He's a good, good father. Okay, yeah, just believe that. Well, here's how we're going um, to land the Malaysian jetliner here uh, of this meeting. Um, we're going we're gonna to do something a little bit slightly different, okay? Uh, I, I think that just declaring God's goodness, and I told you a little bit about this song, you know, this good, good father. Some of you may have heard it, but I've got it. So, Steve, maybe you can uh, get it queued up. I'll tell you when to play it. Um, I was thinking as an act of faith, why don't you guys stand with me right now? Um, is, you know, is it just me, or is it, wouldn't you just like to have maybe some of the wax peeled off, some of the dullness off, and, and just start to have some fresh encounters? And I think that some of you are going to have some fresh encounters today. Uh, some of you who are in need, okay, who just need God to intervene in a situation, deal with some suffering, I think God really does want to hear your cry and meet you. So this is how we're gonna. This is how we're gonna end. I'm gonna, as an act of faith, as an act of moving toward God, um, I'm gonna invite you to just to come down here and, and let's worship together as a, a church family. So so come on down right now. Just 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 come on down in here. We're just gonna sing, uh, you know, one song. I'll dismiss you at a certain point. But if you need prayer for anything, for, for whatever, just stay down and raise your hand. And I want my prayer team uh, or people that know people and love some of the folks up here that want to pray for them, um, we're going to have a little free-form ministry. So um, if, if when we're done worshiping you, you just want some prayer, just put your hand up or put your hands out, and, then, and we'll, we'll just ask the Lord to just bless what he's doing in your life. So, um, so you know, again, as you're coming down, I'll end with this before Steve, Steve plays this, but... I was driving to Cleveland this week, and I was asking the Lord, I said, why is this song just, you know, releasing anointing and revelation and various things? And in the crazy way that God communicates to us 
Christians and crazy charismatics, um, I felt the Lord was saying to me this, that, that, you know, when you declare to me that I'm your father, you are coming into agreement with me. There's a congruence and there is a communion between us. And as you are praying that and singing that to me, I am singing back to you, you're right, you're absolutely right, that's true. Okay, we can get that. We can all sing he's a good, good father because we believe it, right? This is the hard part. It's the second verse where it says, and I'm loved by you. That's who I am. That's who I am. That's who I am. And that's the hard part for us to believe is that with all the stuff that we do, all the sins, all the shortcomings, all the way we miss God, our unfaithfulness, uh, the bad weeks that we've had in the midst of all this, how can you still love me? But it's the fact, and that's the beauty of God, is that regardless of who we are, he is faithful and he loves us no matter what. And this is what I felt the Lord said, you know, to that. And this is, we want to worship in spirit and truth. And here's a truth that you can worship with right now, is that when we are saying, and I'm loved by you, yes, I am. The Lord's saying, yes, you are. Yes, you are. You are loved by me. You are a son. You are a daughter. Yes, you are. Believe that. And there's, a, there's something coming from the throne of God, confirming, affirming, declaring, decreeing before everyone that you are a son and you are a daughter. You are not a slave. You are not under law, but God loves you. Now, close your eyes right now. Close your eyes right now. And this is what is meant by that scripture in Zephaniah that says that the Lord rejoices over you with singing. He is singing this song back to you. So, Steve, let's play this. I'm going to have, I've got the words here. Kick it up a little bit. And let's just worship together. And let's just sing this song. It's, it's called Good, Good Father. And he is a good, good father. And just give me a little more volume, just a little bit more. Hallelujah. Heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love that a man and you tell that you're pleased in the eye, never.
you know, God's here. You know, don't disrupt what he's doing. But if you need to leave, I want to bless you to go with a new song in your heart that God loves you and he loves you and you are his child. So you can go. But if you want prayer, we're going to continue to worship. So let's keep going. I can hardly speak peace so unexplainable. I, I can hardly think as you call Deeper still as you call Deeper still as you call Perfect. 
been chosen, you've been adopted by Jesus. He loves you. He says that he has summoned you by name. He has summoned you by name. You're no accident. God loves you. God loves you. Be sons and daughters this week, not slaves. Enjoy God. Draw closer to him. Lord, we just bless the spirit of adoption and the spirit of worship, uh, the portals that you have for these folks, Lord, all of us as we go forward, Lord. Reignite passion in us. Lord, we agree with this. We agree with this. We agree this. And God said, all God's people said, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Isn't God good?